Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. We are going through a series called Acting Up. Uh, I was going to call it Acting Out, but it turns out that that's actually a psychology term at this point for bad behavior. So, um, not so much feeling like that's what we want to preach about, but Acting up is about how we act in relation to what God says, how he leads us. We are acting. Our behavior is going to follow the leading of the Lord. And what we're actually going to do is walk through the entire book of Acts. Um, We haven't done something like that before, or I haven't done something like that before with our main services. We might not hit every verse or every chapter, but we're walking through what it looked like for the early church to go from 120 in the upper room to reaching the developed world at that time in 30 years. Massive move of God. And we see in the book of Acts principles of how God works, principles of how we're meant to relate to one another, principles of how we're meant to walk in the spirit, how we're meant to function in the fire of God, how we're meant to minister through our lives and not just Sunday mornings, right? And so it's going to be fun. And today, as we start, we start with the very most uncomfortable portion um, I think in the New Testament, it's a 10-day period of waiting that I think when we read it just in a few verses in the Bible, it's like, well, isn't that nice? I bet for the people who were living it out, it was the 10 longest days of their life. So we're going to start there today. Um, Just before we get into it, I want to just put in a little plug. We are beginning uh, some some movement, and this is what's going to come out in the next few months. But essentially, we're going to start... the, the key for us was the mortgage needed to be done for the next phase of our outreach processes to, to begin. And so we're going to want to be prepared to partner, to volunteer, to be part of stuff. This summer, we're looking at doing some outreaches, launching into some of this stuff community-wide, but also just our active movement in the city. Um, one of the things that's driving me nuts is the Victory Van sitting in the parking lot, not moving, and taxi cabs in the parking lot on Sundays, and we should be able to move the van and get the people here, right? So, I know. And as soon as we can get that up and going again, we've had that ministry for a long time, but it kind of had to park during COVID. So if you are interested in... Um, even possibly leading that ministry. That needs to be somebody who's fairly administrative and thinks in streets and areas and that kind of thing. Um, If you can just send in a quick application to the church office, we would be thrilled. But we we would love um, a good solid team of people so that it's maybe once a month that you're doing it, possibly. Uh, We want to do it really professionally. And as soon as we get it going, then we want to buy a minibus and kind of go larger scale. We No need to do stuff small. So you will need to have... I know, right? I, <laughs> driver's abstract, and you will need to have a police check, and we can get you the paperwork for the police check so you can get it done easy. So if you're interested, please contact the office, and we will be proceeding with that as soon as possible. Um, one of the next things, um, and in the weeks to come, there's more and more. There's lots of opportunities to serve. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into the Word today. God, we just thank you 
for who you are. We thank you even as we've declared your praises today. We can feel the lightning on the inside of us. We thank you, Lord, that you lift the heavy burden, that your word tells us that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so, God, today we thank you for that strengthening. I thank you, Lord, whatever we're waiting for, whatever season we're in, God, of trusting you and believing you, that as we praise you, as we engage you as we wait on you and in you, Lord. I thank you that the strength comes. I thank you that the hope is stirred. I thank you, Lord, that our trust is strengthened. I thank you, Lord, that our faith is built. I thank you, God, that you are giving us eyes for what is ahead of us and an anchor for our souls, God, that we can hang on to. And Lord, today as we get into your word and we begin this study of the book of Acts, I thank you, Lord, that you inspire us. Holy Spirit, that you inspire us to be moved by you, to be empowered by you, to be motivated by kingdom purposes. Lord, that we would walk in your truth, that we would live in the light, that we would see uh, the fruit accounted to our lives, God, for your glory and for your honor. And we thank you for the revelation this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the book of Acts, as we get into this today, not everybody might know, but it is written by, the, uh, by uh, Luke, the physician. He also wrote the book of Luke. So if you are studying in your Bibles, maybe you're new to the New Testament, uh, two of the longest books of the, of the New Testament are written by the same guy, a doctor, go figure, who put in as many details as he possibly could. And so they are documented um, uh, trails of what it is that Jesus did while he was on the earth, how he worked on the earth, and how he worked in the earth through mankind in the book of Acts. And so we see this crossover, and we see just this history from, in the book of Luke, we see right from Jesus's birth on through to his death and his resurrection. And actually the last few verses of the book of Luke are almost exactly the same as the first few verses of the book of Acts. And so not everybody has picked up on that, but it didn't used to be separated. It was divided um, with, we just go and put a book right in between the two for whatever reason. But um, this is how it goes. So we start with everything leading up to the death and resurrection of Jesus in the book of Luke. When we celebrated Resurrection Sunday two weeks ago, that's kind of where that point is. And then we see Jesus begin to teach and then he leaves. And so we're going to walk through this. Um, it, both books are written to Theophilus, and it says in Luke 1-4 that you may know the certainty of these things in which you were instructed. So in other words, he says, I'm writing this so that you have documented proof. We all saw it. We all lived it. We all experienced it, but I'm putting it here in writing so that you have proof. This is the documentation of what it was we saw. So I love that take on it is that we see, okay, here's, it's written out so that we can see here's, here's the path. Here's the plan. Here's how God moved. And it gives us um, not so much of a story as much as it is a template of what it is God can do and how he functions and, and some of the things that can be applied to our lives. So Acts chapter 2, uh, leading up to the day of Pentecost. So Acts chapter 1 is the very beginning. We see the crossover point. Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost. We're not going to get quite there today. But in that moment is the beginning of the church age. So everything since then, the church age, the church, the body of Christ is activated to carry the kingdom message wherever we go. 
up until then, it was a different uh, process and a different goal. There was the um, reaching of and grasping who the Messiah was, understanding him, laying hold of him. But then we see the church age go, okay, now that we know him, now that we love him, now that we've experienced him, we have a responsibility and we get to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So this is the sending. This is the thing that happened. Literally, there's 120 people in Jerusalem that we see in the book of Acts. 30 years, they reached the entire developed world at that time. There has been this massive spread that has gone on and we see chunks of it. We see Jesus give the instruction and then we see people actually walk it out. Some of us in our current day have obstacles in thinking, how could we even reach our street? How could I reach my relatives? How could I reach my in-laws? How could I reach my workplace? Well, when focused on the things of God, when empowered by the Holy Spirit, when committed to by a heart that is passionately going after the Lord, the world can change. Like, massive things can happen by a group of people who are committed to go after the things of God, committed to serve wholeheartedly, not just to add a little religion to their life, but to live out of that pure relationship. So this is what we're getting called into. So the first uh, 40 days after Jesus rose, we see this 40-day period. Pentecost is coming up. Actually, the last Sunday of May is when we celebrate Pentecost, which is Penta 50. So 50 days after, Jesus left on day 40. So there's a 40-day period where Jesus is with his disciples. He's with his people. He's, he's showing up, risen from the dead. And then 10 days of strange, the wait. So let's just, if you got your Bibles handy, we're going to look at Luke 24. We're going to get a bunch of scripture in at the beginning here just so we can lay a groundwork. So the very end of the book, Luke 24, and we're going to read starting at verse 45. And this is Jesus. He's come. He's gathered with the disciples. And it says, uh, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them up out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Now it came to pass while well, he came, uh, sorry, it came to pass, while he blessed them, and he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. I think that passage right there is just interesting all by itself. They saw him leave, and they came back with great joy. Knowing my internal nature, I think I would return with freakage. I think it would be okay, now he's gone now. Now it's on us. Now, now, now we've got an assignment. Now we've got things we're supposed to be doing. Now he gave us instructions the last 40 days. We've heard all this stuff. We now understand the scripture. Now we're going <sighs> to, okay, we're going to, we're going to wait. We're supposed to wait. We're just supposed to wait. It's not in my nature. You know, when I kind of, when I have an instruction, when I know there's something that I'm supposed to be doing, when I know there's an assignment, it's not really so much in my nature to like, wait, Terry in Jerusalem is what Jesus told them. It's an interesting thing. 
In verse 49 there specifically, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So during the 40 days, Jesus taught them, he revealed truth, he called them, he gave them the assignment. He said, you're going to go out and you're going to start in Jerusalem, but we're going to start with a wait. Okay. So a couple weeks ago, I declared, even from this stage, I believe God has moved in a spirit of breakthrough. We are in a breakthrough atmosphere. Do you remember the story that we went off of? It was the story of King David as he was just being anointed as king. And there was a breakthrough. God broke through on their behalf. They had this battle. He defeated the enemy. Uh, they pushed them back. And he was anointed as king. And there was a breakthrough. David declared God was Baal Perazim, God of the breakthrough. And then it says... And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed, they gathered for war. So that's the other bit. Yay, it's a season of breakthrough. And there's probably a battle. Anybody in a battle right now? Like almost everybody. I mean, honestly, when we hear that God's moving and there's a breakthrough, we are so tempted to think that that suddenly means that we're going to be moving into leisure. Praise God. Breakthrough. Jesus had the ultimate breakthrough. He actually defeated death and the grave. He rose back to life. This was the ultimate breakthrough. He defeated the enemy. He took the keys of life and death. He, he has actually conquered. There's this breakthrough and then... He leaves and the disciples are left to wait. Of course there's a battle. Of course there's some pushback. In the wait, we understand some of this a little bit more. So this is worth digging into. The reason for the wait, the reason for some of the push, the, even in the story of David, like we talked about, do you remember David said to, to God, can I go up after them? Will, will, um, will you defeat them for me? Should I go up? And God said, don't go up. Wait. What? We beat them last week. Why are we waiting now? Wait until you hear the sound of marching in the treetops. Right? This was the passage we talked about a couple weeks ago. If you missed that message, go back to it. Um, when you hear the sound of marching in the treetops, when you hear the sound of the angel armies activated, I will have gone before you and I will defeat them on your behalf. Same thing. Jesus says, okay, here's all the things you're going to do. But wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you receive power. In other words, when God tells us to wait, when we're in that waiting period, something is happening because God wants to engage the situation. God wants to partner with us. God wants to move. God's not saying, this is what I expect you to do. He's saying, I'm looking for a vessel because this is what I intend to do. I'm telling you, when God is nudging us in this season, that it's a time of breakthrough and we should study, we should lean into him, we should find out what the book of Acts says. How did the gospel move? How did the kingdom of God advance? I consider that this awesomely exciting thing because what is it he wants to do? Well, he's just looking for a vessel that he can partner with. So this is the invitation. So let's flip over. Let's start in Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read roughly the same thing. 
Verses 1 to 5, it says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, so same dude, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given him commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is advancing and it's about to move through vessels like us. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to, mm, for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so this is this incredible promise. This is obviously the shifting point where things changed dramatically on the earth when the Holy Spirit came and dwelt among us, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was possible. We are not in that time period where we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. We have access to Holy Spirit anytime. God has made the fullness of, of the Godhead available to us. But at this time, there had been no, there had been a separation between man and God. And this was the big transfer point. But the concept of the waiting until you're full of the Holy Spirit, that's a concept worth hanging on to. Some of us hear a little vision uh, thing and we hear a little instruction from God and God's like, I'm calling you to do this. And we just want to run out and do it. But how often do we pause and wait until we are full of the Holy Spirit? When we know we're moving with him, how often do we recognize he's taught me something, he's instructed me, and now I wait on him. I sit in his presence. I get filled up in the Holy Spirit. I get stirred up in him. Verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this is what we know as this beginning of the Great Commission. This is the thing. In other words, when the Spirit of God moves upon your life, it's not for you and your four. Great, hey? Wayne and I literally just saw a commercial. It turns out every time I comment on ads online, they show up on everybody's phones, so you're welcome. <sighs> Anywho, um, we saw an ad this morning and it said, if you are listening to influencers like Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen and blah, 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 here's a, a seminar where you can be trained to become influencers for God as well. And we're like, influencers? Like, wh what a weird way of packaging it. The world wants to be influencers. There's this thing of, of if you have people that are listening to you if, you, can, if you can sell stuff, if you can market things, you're an influencer. If people want to listen to your voice, you're an influencer. That is an, a twisted up concept. But the reality is the people of God are called to be world changers. A world changer, I think, is a little more intense than an influencer. You know, a world changer is somebody who's like, I am not the answer, but I carry the answer. I don't know how to change everything, but I know the one who does. I'm not the one who has all the solutions, but I'm carrying him, and I can introduce you. I know who is the hope of the world. 
I know who is the light of life. I know who is the, the anchor of my soul. I know where I'm going on the other side of this life. I know who has conquered fear. I know who has conquered death. I'm not under this box that the world wants to put on me. I live in the light. I live in freedom. Let me introduce you. Come on now. There's no influencer seminar for that. That is knowing Jesus. That is living in the word. That is walking in truth. And we are all called to do this. So this is what they're instructed to do. You're going to go out and you're going to change Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria at the ends of the earth. There is going to be a move that comes from my encounter with you and the power of Holy Spirit in your life that's going to rock the world. I believe that's what we're called to. This is what he's inviting us into. So let's go down then to verse 9. And it says, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white, in, by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? That seems obvious, honestly, to me, but... Anyway, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. Praise God. This is our hope in front of us, right? Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers." So we've crossed over now. Jesus has sat with them. He's explained the scriptures to them. Do you, do you remember when you're reading the gospels and Jesus will give a parable or whatever and the disciples ask a question and Jesus is like, oh, do you still not get it? Okay, let me break it down for you. So now, now something has happened that they're finally in a place where they can see. Jesus has conquered. Jesus is at a place where he can sit and break it out for them. And he spends 40 days doing so and just stirring them up. It's like this mountaintop of mountaintop experiences. Then he leaves and there's the 10 long days, 10 days of waiting. And I would guess they don't really know what they're waiting for. They have had hints of it. They have uh, descriptions that Jesus has given, but they don't really know what it looks like. They've seen Jesus operate. They've seen uh, the transfiguration on the mountain. A few of them saw it. They've seen miracles and signs and wonders. But Jesus is like, you're waiting until the Holy Spirit comes. And he gives them instructions or he gives them descriptions like this. Uh, John 16, 8 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Did I, get, did I give you the right reference? That's not right. Somebody want to find that for me? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him. To you. So these guys are walking with the living Christ. They're, they're experiencing like literally your hands and feet, your side. We can see the scars. We can, we can experience like you died and you're sitting here having lunch with us. 
literally it says he hungered and they gave him food. So he's sitting there having lunch with them, talking to them and explaining to them things. And then he, and, and, and they're supposed to believe that it's to their advantage that he's leaving. This is huge because a helper will come to you. So what they, they don't know exactly what they're waiting for, but they know what they're waiting for is a helper. That's a good positive thing. If you're in the waiting right now, wait on the helper. Not just the encourager, but the helper. Somebody, Holy Spirit, is there to help you in the thing that you're about to step into. There's something that he wants to do. There's something that he's going to come alongside. That's what you're looking for. The helper of the Holy Spirit in your life. Does anybody have that reference? 16-7. Oh, off by one. That's just a typo. Whew. All right. Before y'all think I'm preaching heresy, we want to make sure we get the right references. All right. John 14, 16 to 17. Hopefully. <laughs> and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. So firstly, we're waiting for a helper who's coming alongside us and the spirit of truth. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's right. Nobody agrees with me. Nobody thinks this is... Okay. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Isn't that incredible? This is what the promise, when we talk about Holy Spirit, we're not talking about some weird, I don't know about that church, do they swing off the chandeliers? I am tempted to install a chandelier just so somebody can try. But that's not what it's about. He is the helper who dwells in us and is the spirit of truth. The one who indicates when we are in a world that is spun upside down and inside out and everything is so confusing and so wrong and people are calling things that were wrong they're right now and the things that were right before now they're calling them wrong what is truth the spirit of truth is available to us to operate in us so that we know what to do John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Isn't that great? I don't know. How am I going to learn? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. That right there is this incredible promise. So this is, they know, they know the product that they're waiting for. They're, they're like, oh my goodness, we've spent the last 40 days. Jesus told us all this stuff. What if we don't remember? Well, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to remind you of what I said. Do you know when we get into the word, when we study the word made flesh that dwelt among us, when we get into the word and we study it, we don't always remember this like just on the fly, but Holy Spirit, what do I do in this moment? You know, scriptures will just pop up to your mind. You'd be like, I don't know why I know that. Why do I know that? Because you study it. His word you have hidden in your heart. And so the Holy Spirit reminds you and he prompts things and he calls them to the forefront. This is the advantage. And so when we're in a waiting period, sometimes it is about this. It's getting into the word. It's getting to know the spirit of truth. It's getting to know the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's studying what God wants to do in our lives. We are not passive in the waiting. It is not like waiting and just going through the entire Netflix series. It's not. 
if we're in a waiting period, this is a suck onto the vine kind of season. And God, I am drawing from you everything you've got from me. I believe that this is the time that I am being strengthened, that I am being equipped, that you are teaching me truth, that you are building me up from the inside, that you are directing my steps, that you are calling to mem remembrance what it is that I need to know in this moment. You are empowering me. So they are waiting on this. And Jesus says, because when you receive him, you will receive power to become witnesses to me. Not just that you become um, awesome influencers, but you actually begin to become witnesses to who Jesus is and it begins to change the world around you. So they are waiting on this. They are waiting on a helper, a teacher, truth, power, power to be the witness. And this shift, this 10 day shift was utterly transformative. This was the transition state because everything up to now, they had been receivers and they are about to become givers. Everything up till now, they have been the disciples. They've been learning and taking in and studying and following. And from this point forward, they become the fathers of the early church who go out and they instruct and they baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They instruct, they lead, they guide. Something comes out of them. What I'm saying is that even, again, we're not waiting for the Holy Spirit. As we go through these weeks and months ahead, there is optimal and, and many opportunities that we just ask the, the Holy Spirit to come in, to dwell in us, to empower us. We ask the Father to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. But we also have to make a choice to be in relationship with him. So some of us are like, oh yeah, I speak in tongues. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. No fruit in our lives. It is to the measure that we put a draw on him, that we allow these seasons of engagement where we go, okay, teach me, show me, remind me, refine me, instruct me, guide me, lead me, point me in the right way. There should be actual fruit that comes if we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe this is what God is calling us into. This is the transitionary space. This is what God has called us towards. So one of the, the things that we're going to just walk through is four quick steps. Yep, four quick steps on what is happening in the waiting period. Because if we look at it from the outside, honestly, this is not the smartest move for Jesus to make. I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to change world history. I'm going to give you a vision and a passion. Let's just keep in mind that just literally a few weeks earlier, Peter chopped a guy's ear off and then denied Jesus. He's leaving him in charge. I mean, doesn't seem like the best game plan. So we have to know that the benefits outweigh the risk, right? If this is what Jesus chose to do, this is how the game plan plays out. The benefits outweigh the risk. The risk is that Peter's going to do something crazy again, and we're all going to fall off the planet, you know, in our faith. And, and, and there is a track record for that. But the benefit is if they wait and if the waiting does its work. And it's not 10 years. Some of us are like, I'm just waiting on the Lord, but it's been 15 years. And honestly, you've just gotten really too comfortable in the waiting. And God's like, okay. But it's a short period of time. Never feels short when you're in it. It's a short period of time that is doing something in us. So we do see a crossover. We see that originally there was 500 people that saw Jesus down to 120. 
that hung out, but they were determined to do exactly what Jesus said. Maybe not every believer in Christ that you know is willing to go the distance or dig in, but are you? Because I think God's calling us to something extraordinary. I actually believe that there is something massive that is meant to come out of your life, out of your household, out of this church. I am 100% convinced, even though you can't see it when you drive through this city, that Grand Prairie is marked by God for his purposes and something amazing is meant to come out. Are we willing to be the 120? Are we willing to wait? Are we willing to let the Holy Spirit do his work on us? Are we willing to engage him? It's one of the things that I, I believe is being done on the Sunday nights, these 12 weeks that God's called us to, to press into him. Man, he's doing something. So we're gonna carry on. So number one is just wait. It says that they waited with prayer and supplication. Acts 1.14 these all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You know what I love about that is that it's included in there that it was men and women. Come on. It was a blended group right from the very first days of the church. There was this blended group where it's like anybody who like whosoever will, anybody who wants to can be part of this. But the door is open and God's just saying, I need those who are willing to wait because there's promise for your life. There is something that I want to pour out and the Holy Spirit will ignite what's in you. So they all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication. There's a couple key things there, one accord, but we're going to start with prayer and supplication. Lots of times when we look at those words, they just sound the same. But here's the breakdown of the word. Uh, supplication is always prayer, but prayer is not always supplication. So prayer is the overhanging title and supplication is a type of prayer. Does that make sense? So they continued in prayer and supplication. Why this matters is because supplication means to actually humbly request. It means you're asking for something. It's the, I'm asking God, I'm, I'm, I'm needing something from him. So whatever they are praying, they are in supplication. They are humbly asking God. But the general overview word for prayer there also means, um, it means worship, praise, and prayer. So it means that they are connecting to God. They are talking to him. They are praising him. They're declaring his name. They're, they're engaging God, but not just asking for something. If we picture it, and it's like 10 days, they sat there just asking God for stuff. No, they didn't. For 10 days, they were gathered together and they're praying, they're praising, they're worshiping, and they're asking. It's this full picture communication, but they together are engaging God. So we want to understand that when we're in the waiting, it's not just God, when? Please do something. Please do something. Please, now, any, any time now. Please, Lord, open the door. Please, please just move on my behalf. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me favor. Please do something with the favor. Please cause my... If we're in prayer and supplication and we're in the wait, then we're like, God, I praise you. 
I thank you that you are the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I thank you that you are seated on the throne. I thank you that because we can read in Revelation that you were the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, we know time is in your hands and my time is in your hands. I thank you, Lord, that you know me and you see me. And so I just give you my praise. I give you my worship. I honor you. And I thank you that you're working on my behalf. And Lord, I ask for an open door. I ask for understanding that I would walk through it in the right way at the right time. But God, I just trust you. And it's, it's not this like begging session. It's a conversation of delight and relationship, right? And this is what we get called. When we're in the wait, this is what we do. It's like this morning. I am very aware that there's a massive population in this church that is standing in faith for a breakthrough. My number one recommendation is jump, clap, sing, praise, declare who he is. 100% if we praise, praise is the weapon. The word says we call our, our wall salvation and our gates praise. And when we raise the gates of praise, then come in, King of glory. Who is the, the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. How do we access the King of glory? We raise the gates of praise. So when you least feel like it, and we're in the place of waiting, you put your praise on. That is, that is literally what God's saying. He's like, okay, over here. Let's get your eyes off earthly things. Look at me. I got you. I got you. Look at me. Don't we say that to our kids? When they're terrified to do something, we say, look at me. We got you. You can ride the bike. You can skate. You can do this stuff. You can do it. Just look at me. Just look at me. God does the same thing. Look at me. Choose me, prefer me, look at me, I got you, look at me. This is what God was inviting them to do. There is no accident when we get a little further in and we see Paul and Silas praising in prison. It got planted here, the seed for that kind of an atmosphere got planted in Acts chapter 1. The attitude of praise in the middle of discomfort is a choice. And it is a powerful, powerful choice. So they praised, they prayed, they supplicated, they were asking God. And it says in Hebrews 12, 28, Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We've received, even though everything feels shaky and weird and uncomfortable, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us anchor ourselves in that. Matthew 7, 24 and 25 says, Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Come on. Come on. Some of us today, it's like, it is so windy in my world. It is so wet in my world. There is so much coming against me. Then you make sure that you are founded on the rock and let the winds blow. Let the rain fall. Let the, the earth shake. But you are still 
stable and secure and steadfast in the one who gave his life for you. You are not movable. The kingdom of God is an unshakable kingdom. Decide to stay there. These guys are about to, as we get into the weeks to come, they are about to be threatened with arresting. There's beheadings. There's all kinds of like horrible things that they face, but they are unshakable. This is what we need. We are not worried about who we're influencing. We're worried about who we carry and we walk in the power of his might. Number two then, will. We wait and we will. We will to be conformed to him. We will to do what he desires us to do. Our will comes into play when we are in the waiting. Our will, our choices, our thoughts, our intentions, our allegiances, these things get challenged in the wait. And so again, Acts 1.14, these all continued in one accord. There's no way 120 people all naturally willed to do the same thing in the same way at the same time for 10 days. We have all watched, I mean, if you've been in an airport, uh, and especially lately, uh, if you haven't and you're about to plan a trip, let me just give you a heads up. Every flight is delayed. All of them, they're all delayed. There's always going to be an adjustment. There's always gonna be a gate change. There's always gonna be something just cause we're catching up. And, and you can watch, some people are like, oh, that's great. I still have time to go get a coffee. And other people are like, <gasps> and they freak right out because, oh my goodness, somebody changed something. 120 people sat in the upper room for 10 days in one accord. That is about as big a miracle as there is in the New Testament. Honestly, their will was being surrendered to the things of God. They were submitting to one another in love. And sometimes we need these moments of the wait so that our will gets brought into submission. So that we are not willfully promoting our own stuff, but the things of God. So it's not about what I want, when I want it, how I want it, but God, what do you want from my life? I am completely sold out for you. I believe the 10 days had everything to do with breaking their will, submitting their will. There was a, a move that happened in that moment. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I, bear, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world. They, the 120, not the 500, but the 120 brought their bodies into the same room out of the public view. It happened to be the biggest festival time in Jerusalem. There was a crowd everywhere. They stepped out of the crowd and into fellowship with one another so that they could be refined in their will. They decided to step away from the public stuff and decided to engage together. I'm just harping on this for a moment because when you get frustrated in church and somebody says something offensive or somebody challenges you or somebody calls you on something, guess what? 
That is how we are refined. There are things that can only happen in communion with one another. There are things that only happen when iron sharpens iron and we stir one another up. We provoke one another. There are only things, there are things that can only happen when we're in the community and we have to choose to prefer one another, choose to forgive, choose to release offense, choose to love. When we think that we're going to be better off in our walk with God, staying by ourselves in our homes and never connecting with another believer, we have been deceived. There are 120 people here who would have probably preferred to be in their own little corner waiting for the Holy Spirit. Because honestly, I'm a little touchy right now. I'm a little scared right now. I'm a little vulnerable. And we all know Peter's going to lose it. So I'm just going to stay home and wait till that happens. No, they all came right together. They, they chose to come into relationship together and develop what was necessary to make space for a move of God. I'm telling you, I'm so proud of everybody for being in the house of God, for choosing to be together. And I'm just encouraging you, don't give up on that. There is a reason. There is a, a purpose for the body of Christ. Do not give up gathering together and even more so as the day approaches. We need each other. Let me just say that this particular um, shift that they, they encountered in this 10-day period was, uh, as I said, this transition period. They went from being the receivers to the ones who were serving. And I, I apologize in advance for the guys, but if you are fathers, you should know this stuff. Um, but trans- transition phase in birth. Anybody know where I'm going with this? Literally, the transition phase, guys, maybe you've been in the room and your wife suddenly is like, I hate you, never touch me again, we're getting a divorce. (laughs) That is happening in the transition phase. So literally, biologically, what's happening when this woman has carried a baby all this time, and we know that the, the birth is close and there's labor pains and all this stuff, but when we hit the transition point, It's the final little bit before the baby's about to be born. And biologically, the hormones in the woman's body switch. The muscles go from um, being relaxed and strengthened to tightening up and squeezing. So everything hurts. And to top it off, there is a boost and this biological burst of adrenaline that comes in that's supposed to give the woman strength to actually push the baby out. So the adrenaline, um, they say, has two different effects on people. So some women, they instantly go into just a rest period and they're like gearing up and their minds are like, okay, I got this. And other women are immediately like, I can't do this. Get the epidural. I'm never doing this again. I want to go home. Somebody pack my bags. I'm out of here. I'm not doing this today. Transition brings about responses. On the inside, this this thing happens in the same way. When we're in the waiting period, the transition thing brings about different responses. And as we are in it together, see, if your wife is the one who's like, I'm going home, she needs somebody who's like, no, we're not. (laughs) Squeeze my hand. I can get it repaired later. It's okay. But I'm in it with you. You know, for the woman who is totally relaxed in that face, she needs somebody who's like, okay, we're going to do this. I'm going to coach you through it. Like, stir yourself up. We're going to do this. And they need somebody to encourage them. When we are in the wait, we are not all in the same place of reaction, but we are here to spur one another on, 
to encourage each other. I want to quit. I can't do this anymore. Yes, you can. God has not failed you yet, and he's not about to start today. I can't do this anymore. I have hit the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. No, you haven't. But even if you have hit the bottom, you are standing on bedrock, and he's not going to allow you to be moved. You can do this. You will do this. You are a woman, a man of faith. We are the ones, we come into this body together, and in the waiting period, we stir one another up to the victory. We encourage one another across into the birthing of something, and we all celebrate together when that new thing comes forth, right? And so whether you're planning businesses, you're launching out financially, you're launching out in health things, you've got family stuff, relationship stuff, you're praying for a, a, you know, a family member who's walking away from God, we need one another to spur each other on in this season and believe God for the more. In that then, number three, witness. We wait on God. We will. Our will is conformed. We witness, and Jesus said, you'll be witnesses to me. And what that means is you will tell the truth of who I am. Tell the truth of who I am. Chuck Swindoll says, clearly the apostles' faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus produced a noticeable change in their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Too often our own lives do not reflect that sort of change. We struggle with fears over how others will react to our faith, with breaking out of our own routine long enough uh, to invest in the life of someone else who needs the gospel. Sometimes I'm so worried about what's going on with me, I forget that my life is meant to be a walking, talking testimony. I have to decide that I will be a testimony. Bill Bright, who founded uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, said, the sermon of your life in tough times ministers to people more powerfully than the most eloquent speaker. Write that down. For everybody's like, I can't even, I don't even, I'm just an embarrassment to the church and an embarrassment to God. No, how you handle faith in these moments, how you handle God in these moments, when you praise through the tears, when you worship through the brokenness, when you decide that Jesus is your everything, it sustains the people around you. It encourages the people around you. They're like, if you actually have an anchor in the middle of all this, maybe you're onto something. Maybe you actually have something that's true. The sermon of your life. Lots of us read the Great Commission. We're like, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I can't do that. Be witnesses to me. Oh, I can't do that. I'm not a talker. Your life is saying volumes. And frankly, if your life doesn't match up with what your words say, it's garbage anyway. Nobody listens. Seriously. If your life lives faith, your life lives trust, your life lives love, your life might not be perfect, but your perfect love for the perfect God is evident to all. And so this is the witnesses to me. First Peter 3.15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's in you. How are you not falling apart right now? Oh man, it's Jesus. How are you not so angry right now? It's Jesus. Why are you not retaliating right now? It's Jesus. Why are you not quitting? I would totally leave him. I would totally leave her. I would, to if, I, if that was me, why are you? It's Jesus. I believe that God is working on my behalf. I believe God can do the impossible. I believe he's the God of miracles. I believe that he will never fail me. I believe that he will never leave me or forsake me. I give 
answer for the hope that is within me. And finally, in follow-up to that then is work. Work with me. And I love this particular scripture. It's from the end of the Great Commission in Mark 16, 20. And it says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. This is what God calls us into, the Lord working with them. When Jesus said, I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit has come so you have power, he was saying, actually, all these things that I've said you're going to do, you can't do them. Some of us have been so discouraged by trying to live out, you know, the promises of God and do the things and follow this and try that and whatever. And there are times when God says, wait, I want to do this with you. Let's work out the stuff that has to happen in the middle. Wait on me. Allow your will to be conformed. Be witnesses to me. Live out this relationship and then work with me. Again, Bill Bright says, uh, taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God, that is witnessing. Taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God is witnessing. There is a, our part and there is a God part. And so with that, I'm going to have the worship team come up and we're going to decide to praise again. Can we do that come on my soul song again? And for some of us that are in the waiting today, this is going to be your decision maker. You're going to decide, okay, God. I don't have the answers. I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know what you're doing, but I am deciding to praise. I am deciding to engage you. I am deciding to pursue you. I am telling you there is not an impossible situation in this room. If you're watching online, there is not an impossible situation. There is nothing that is impossible for God. There is nothing that is too hard for him. But we don't want to get ahead of him. We don't want to fall behind him. We don't want to try and manipulate him. We want to wait on him. We want to be entwined with him. We want to be wrapped together in him. We want to allow the Lord to mold our will to what it should be. We want to decide to allow people who are, are faith-filled God people to stir us up, to iron sharpens iron, to do what needs to be done. We want to have that season where we go, okay, you know what, God? I'm living the truth. I'm not just going to say I trust you. I'm going to live like I trust you. I'm not going to just say I believe you. I'm going to live like I believe you. I'm not just going to say that I love you, that I praise you, that I worship you. I'm going to live like I love you, like I praise you, like I worship you worship you. I am going to decide to be in the light. I am not going to go, well, he hasn't come through yet. I'm not doing my devotions today because this is just garbage. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There may be something that needs to be put in place. So get in here and let, and let the Holy Spirit teach you and lead you and, and build up in you what is necessary so he can pull it forward in the future and get ready to work with him. The dreams, the visions, the plans that he starts planting into your mind, I guarantee you, you're going to be like, I can't do that. If you can, you probably haven't thought big enough yet. If it's like, oh, I totally got this. That's not the whole thing yet. The promises of God and the callings of God are going to lead you into the places where you lack the personal provision for it. 
because He wants to work with us. There is an empowering of the Holy Spirit. So let's all stand together. I wanna pray for you this morning and for all of us as we embark on this book of Acts. Woo, it's gonna be fun, you guys. It's gonna be fun. God is launching us out into His purposes. God, today we thank you. We thank you for the seasons that we can read in your word. We thank you for the model of the early church, Lord, who had a period of pressing into you, deciding to go after you. I thank you that you don't waste the wait. Lord, that you are calling us to work the wait, to, to take that waiting period and do something with it, to live in you in it. And I pray for every person who's in that waiting period today. I pray for every couple, every family that's in that waiting period. And God, I pray that you would grace them in it, that you would strengthen them, that you would establish them. I thank you, Lord, that you will not leave them in that period, that even when Jesus was led into the wilderness, it was for 40 days only. I thank you, God, that these are not lifetime sentences, but God, they're periods of learning you more, trusting you more, developing in you more. And so I thank you for the courage to go after it, Lord. The love that's being developed in hearts, Lord, to come forward and to be um, refined in us, Lord. And the passion for your presence to become an addiction in our lives that we can't do without, that we would be desperate for your presence, God. I thank you for praise upon our lips, worship in our hearts, and fruit in our lives. And we thank you for it today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.